Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll, and it's Friday, so you know what that means. It's time for the Duff McKagan joke of the week. Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan calling. Listen, uh, hope everybody's doing great. Uh, my daughter asked me today, uh, hey, Dad, can I eat the uh, cake in the fridge? I said, yeah, if you eat it in the dining room, it might be more comfortable. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Ah, it was absolutely terrible. <laughs> But thank you, Duff. We love the laughs on Friday, and it's always more laughs than groans. Well, most of the time. Uh, go see Duff and GNR at Welcome to Rockville on May 21st in Daytona Beach, Florida. And then they'll be out touring Europe and South America all summer. And Fozzie is out right now. The Save the World Tour is in Houston, Texas tonight. Last night we had a great show in New Orleans. We're back on the road. Uh, like I said, we are in Houston tonight, and Saturday we're in San Antonio in Texas at the Rock Box. Sunday is Austin, Texas. Come and take it live. Monday, Dallas, Amplified Live. And then Thursday, May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. Come spend it with Fozzie in L.A. at the Whiskey A Go-Go on the Sunset Strip. World famous. So many more shows coming out. Garden Grove, California, the Garden Grove Amphitheater. And that's when the new Fozzie album is officially dropping. Boombox is out May 6th. Pre-order it now wherever you buy or stream music. All tickets for all the gigs were on the road to May 16th. Go to FozzieRock.com and look for tickets and VIP meet and greets available for your dates. Uh, there's still some left. It's the best meet and greet in rock and roll. We play a mini set for you. Some songs you won't even hear later in the show. Uh, so come check us out. Come hang out. We meet you. We greet you. We sign your stuff. We hang out and have a grand old time. FozzyRock.com. And speaking of a grand old time, book your cabin for Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea Four Leaf Clover. We are setting sail February 2nd, 2023. And it's a great lineup of talent joining us. And for the first time ever, we're going to Grand Stirrup, K, our own private island. Come experience the vacation of a lifetime. ChrisJerichoCruise.com. All right. Today on the show, we're talking about the greatest NHL hockey fights of all time and the fighters who had them. I got Dr. Luther with me co-hosting as Sandy Bowens is the NHL fight expert. Now, Sandy is Anthony Bowens' dad, and you guys know Anthony from AEW. He and Max Castor are the acclaimed, and Sandy is from New Jersey. He's a lifelong diehard fan of hockey, specifically hockey fights. He's amassed an incredible tape collection of fights and fighters. His knowledge is extensive. He can rattle off the great enforcers, knockouts, how many fights various players got into over the course of their careers. He's actually kept written notebooks of every single hockey fight that's occurred since the late 60s to present day. He used to have multiple VCR machines. Remember those? Ask your parents if you don't know what a VCR is. Sandy had seven of those recording hockey games every night during the season just to record and save the fights. He used to work for teams including the LA Kings, the Philadelphia Flyers, the New York Rangers. He'd give them games on tape so they could scout opponents and players. He's been to some incredible games himself, seen some crazy fights in person. He's also got, got into a couple himself with the referees who broke up the fights. Favorite fights, favorite fighters, best fighting teams, even shares stats about my dad, Teddy Irvin's playing days, every single fight Teddy's ever had in his career. Uh, Sandy gave me a list. I said to my dad, how many fights do you think you had during your career? He said 15. He had like 51. I have every single one of them written down. I will post those. Uh, Sandy's telling great stories about the Bruins, players like Wayne Gretzky, Bobby Orr, Dave Schultz, Burt Wilson from the Rangers, of course, Teddy Irvin, Barry Beck, some of the biggest goons in history. He's got stories about some of the great bench-clearing brawls, which you don't see anymore, and you hear why Sandy doesn't really enjoy watching hockey these days. So here it is, the greatest NHL hockey fights ever with the enforcers who had them, Dr. Luther's co-hosting, and Sandy Bowens is the guest of honor here and now on Talk is Jericho. Uh, we're here with, with, with Sandy Bowens, uh, Anthony Bowens' father, and, uh, and Luther, who I'll probably call Lenny a bunch of times. He is basically the expert of, of hockey fights, and he just gave me a list of every single fight that my dad, Teddy Irvin, had. You've written it down. You've got 51 fights here. I mean, this is absolutely incredible, Sandy. Do you have lists like this for a yeah. lot of players? Actually, Anthony didn't, didn't tell me to bring my book. I have a book for every year from the six, late 60s on up of every fight that occurred in the NHL. Then I got into the AHL and the IHL because I, this was my life. Mm. <laughs> I even volunteered at work 
I have 37 years in a postal I retired for a suspension just so I can go up to Canada <laughs> thanks, Thanksgiving to see three games. You know, wow. my, my favorite player was Bob Gassoff, and that's why I want to talk to your father because he played with him twice. Bob is, was a, a character. So this is unbelievable because I was there uh, when Bobby Gassoff passed away. He passed away at Gary Unger's ranch. Uh, they were having a, a, a party, from what I recall, after the season, and they went driving. Um, was it motor uh, dirt bikes or something? Yeah, he had a dirt lines? bike. And and Bobby got in an accident and passed away on on the ranch. Now, what were you about four or five? Probably, yeah. Uh, my dad played for the Blues seventy-five to seventy-seven, so I was probably anywhere five or six years old. I was down the, sh you know, Jersey. We call it the shore, and I had told my mother keep all the sport pages. And when I came home, I'm reading it in, in the bathroom, and Blues defenseman killed. I really was near tears because I met him once. I got his autograph in a St. Louis Blues uh, media guide, and he was. I'm going to tell you a story. At a Ranger game, Carol Vadney, you know, he was kind of nasty with a stick. When he first came up, he would fight. And he kind of like slashed Bobby. Bob Gasol took a swing, baseball bat swing. And I had season tickets down in the red where you could see everything. Missed his head by an inch. Mm -hmm. If he had hit him, he would have been. He, he cut Esposito for 12 stitches. He uh, he fought Gary Howard had a broken jaw at the time, and he would go after even guys like Pitt Martin, finesse people. It, when it, you know, when it occurred, and when it came about, he dropped the gloves with everybody. Well, and the game was like that in the seventies oh, as well. There, there, there was there's there no comparison. So tell us kind of why there's no comparison. What it was because like nowadays, they have like maybe one fighter. On the team, that's a Gary Bettman's way, you know, coming from NBA. He's going to tell you, you know, we don't, we haven't been fighting in the league, but you got 17 guys out there that play like the Swedes, and it's not not their fault. It's not it's not their makeup. They've eliminated. I don't use the word goon. Mm -hmm. They've eliminated enforcers or policemen, whatever you want to call it. The 70s were totally. You know, the Big Bear Bruins came up in the 60s, but most of their stuff was gang fighting. Even if Bobby Orr was winning a fight, they jumped in. Hmm. So they came up with the third man in. You jump into a fight, you're thrown out of the game. Mm -hmm. Game misconduct. But when the Flyers came in against the Bruins, I would never miss a game. That was mm -hmm. war. And they had like maybe 10. I counted back in the 70s on one of the Ranger teams had 23 guys that had fights. Wow. During the year. Yeah. And maybe one or two on certain players. But nowadays, you can count one. One guy leads the league in, in uh, fights with about eight right now during the season. I don't follow it no more. I can't. I can't because watch, the lack of. I can't watch the game. Without without the fighting or without the hitting, um, I, I quit taping in 2012. Mm. You know, I, I can tell you how I got into. Please do. When I was a boy, we had an empty lot next to our house. Well, where'd you grow up? In Nutley, New Jersey. Gotcha, okay. And my aunt was babysitting me. I was about seven or eight years old. I came outside. She let me outside, and all of a sudden, this group of kids, you know, older teenagers, about 20 from one side, 20 from the Belleville side, our rival, came up on top of the hill, and the leaders squared off. And from then on, you know, Nutley was, was an Italian-Irish Afro-American town with maybe 75% Italian, and everything was who can beat who, mm -hmm. whose father can beat who. Uh, the older guys that we, you know, were our heroes, they did the fighting. Then when we came up, if you went to a football game, there was def definitely a fight. Mm -hmm. There was nothing that, unless it was against a, um, a meek town. <laughs> and, I mean, I don't believe in that now. When Anthony played, you know, everybody with travel teams, they played together. Mm -hmm. And they learned, you know, they got to know each other. It wasn't as bad as when we went. You couldn't go into another town in Belleville without being jumped mm -hmm. or, them, or they, no, them coming to Nutley. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that got me started with liking that type of stuff. And then in 1972, 
73. I'm watching the Flyers in St. Louis. Steve Durbano, mm. notorious crazy bad guy. Not the greatest fighter. And game in a week, and he squares off with Dave Schultz. And Schultz got the better of him. And later on, they go to a commercial. They come back. Durbano had gone to the Flyer bench and had words with the trainer and knocked three or four teeth out of the trainer's mouth with a stick. Wow. So now when they came back, you missed that. When they came back, he's being like led off by the referee, by the linesman, and Bob and Hal Kelly came off the bench and gave him a beating and a half. The next day on, I went to the library and started logging down every fight, and I was hooked from then. Mm. I never, the Flyer organization, I've done work for the Flyers, the Ranger, the Islander, not not necessarily the Islanders, uh, Vancouver, L.A., the Devils. You mean as far as keeping records? Of, of, uh, of doing videos. Mm. Now, uh, how I got into the videos in 1977, I rented a room out because Nutley didn't have cable, a room in Harrison where I worked next to Newark for $29 a month. It was one room. <laughs> And I was a lunatic back in the days. Mm -hmm. I ripped the hinges off a door one time because if the camera didn't get on a fight, I was completely, I completely lost it. <laughs> Screaming, hollering, and the guy next door had one eye. <laughs> An older man, I, he, he used to like shake. And you know, back then when you were younger, you know, I'm, I'm not looking to, to do anything to him, but I'm, you know, I didn't have a feeling of remorse. Yes, for, right. for that because I was in a rage. <laughs> Another time, Bobby Nystrom and Pete Mahovlich, uh, Pete Mahovlich was nothing near a fighter. Mm -hmm. Nystrom was giving him a beating. In, in Montreal, they have stand on the own standing room only. Mm -hmm. The camera blocks it's blocked, so they don't switch to another camera. I flip the bed over, and next thing you know, I see feet, and it's my handicapped friend next door underneath the mattress and i said like you know he this lenny is one of the one of the most the lunatics right i right. can tell you stories but i can't tell you on here so you're watching these fights and you get into videotaping them and and who are some of the the toughest guys from this era from this era well, right? no, from the 70s the from the you, 70s I got, I, got a, I got a list here of every you know i can i can name you about 500 people but you know in the 70s, you're talking about the 60s first was John Ferguson, mm -hmm. uh, Orlin Curtin back. And I just read an article on John Ferguson from Keith Magnuson and the Blackhawks. They had said, which I didn't know, I didn't see a lot of Ferguson stuff, uh, that where he used to pick his spots and not go after the tough guys mm -hmm. and uh, hitting people from behind and like Eric Nestorenko, non-fighters. But he did beat Teddy Green. You know, probably the toughest Bruin Super tough, yeah. in their career until he got hit in the head with a stick and got his, his uh, skull fractured. Mm -hmm. So Orlin Curtinback was was a great fighter with long arms. You know, back then they had more of more guys with finesse, and you know the the Canadians had a couple of people. And then when the seventies rolled in, that's when the big stuff started. Dave Schultz, the most exciting player I've ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. When you went to a game with him, guaranteed guaranteed trouble <laughs> i mean he he was unbelievable guys like gary howitt that i love because he couldn't take a check if you hit him in the corner you're fighting mm. in his in his first year 73 74 he had 29 fights and most of the time pull, pulling people's hair mm. and bringing them down he fought six five bob daly pulled him down by his hair and supposedly he maybe lost one fight to larry robinson and those are the type of guys that I love. Jack McElhargy, you know, people that just didn't take nothing. Bobby Nystrom, if you cheap shot of them, you were finished. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they had other tough guys. Terry O'Reilly, you know, Terry O'Reilly, Nystrom, Howitt. They played the game from the start to the end the old way. Mm -hmm. You know, even when they were old. If you cheap shot them, they're dropping the gloves. They might have lost, but who doesn't? It was just what you did then, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was an um, um, I just wonder, wonder, Let's talk about Schultz for a second. I want to, I want to get your opinions on what Teddy Irvin was like as a fighter because I know that Schultz, when he, he came into the league in one of his first games against the Rangers, he went up to my dad and said, I'm going to make a name for myself in this league, and I'm starting with you, Irvin. And they got into a fight. 
Yeah. And then they had a big rematch at the Garden where it was Irvin versus Schultz part two. So uh, what, what was Teddy Irvin like? As, as Teddy as a, was, I never taught, never met him, which I would love to talk to him. We'll take care of that. But uh, he was a guy that looked out for his teammates. Hmm. Wasn't dirty. I mean, he could play the game and everything. But if somebody did something to them, and the Rangers, they traded away. They had Burt Wilson was one of the top fighters in the league for his size, the only one that ever beat Jimmy Mann, according to Barry Melrose. Wow. And uh, he would, Teddy would go out there and, and protect the team. They didn't really have muscle. You know, I was Emil Francis and Bill Jennings, the, the president of the league, hated, hated fighting. He's the one that got rid of later on, got rid of Nick Fatillo. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't his type of game, and that's why they got pushed around all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, Schultz beating the daylights out of Dale Rolfe mm -hmm. in the 73. Rolfe wouldn't talk to the, to the rest of the team because nobody came in to help him. Mm -hmm. Right, right. I, I don't know if you've ever seen that fight. I didn't see the Anything fight. Anything on YouTube, basically, other than the stuff that I have that I never gave out, is on there. Your, your Teddy's fighting... Keith Magnuson on YouTube. I've seen you, that one. You can see that. And Magnuson was pretty tough too. I did. Well, say. they make him sound like he's the worst fighter ever. He wasn't the worst fighter ever. Terry Harper was probably the worst fighter ever. <laughs> but he would he would push Bob Battleship Kelly, the, probably one of the tough fighters also in the seventies, away to go after people mm -hmm. that he shouldn't even have been handling. He lost a lot of fights, but he knocked out Carol Vadney with one punch, mm. and. He was game. He'd come out of the rink and skate down to the other end like he was on a motor, right. motorcycle. And he just, he had 291 minutes his first year, and he went to Denver University. I mean, he was a college kid. <laughs> and he was game. So who, who else you got there, Sandy? On the 70s, you know, obviously Danny Maloney was the champion of the league. Wow, really? In, in the 70s. That's what they called him until they played the Flames. And Willie Plett, Willie Plett with Atlanta was a bad dude. Mm, and, and, with, and then he went to Calgary later on and then Minnesota. He, he even had it in the paper. Maloney, had, first he had beat up Dennis Hextel, uh, Plett. Maloney had, ran, they ran one of the finesse players and Plett came over and Plett, uh, Maloney jumped him. And Plett turned around with a wild haymaker and dropped Maloney to his knees and then pummeled him. It was all over the papers, the new king. And in the, I had season tickets for the Rangers, Islanders, and Flyers at the time. I, all three teams. I team. split with the Flyers with okay. somebody. Whatever game, you know, when you get to know the fighters, if you, hockey's a great game if you don't know who can fight. Because you, you think somebody like Roger Bear is going to come out and, you know, and drop the gloves, even though he did a couple of times. But if you know the people, it's a boring game if they're not on the ice, mm. to me. So now I'm at the Coliseum for season tickets. Gillies and Plett line up at center ice. Toe-to-toe -to -toe fight. Toe-to-toe mm. -to -toe fight. After they came out of the penalty box, Fleck comes over and elbows Gillies in the head. He just skated away. Mm. Now, he might have his reasons. I, you know, I don't, I don't put him down for something like that. But they never met again. Wow. Mm. And, you know, they're... Other people, Kurt Frazier, the bad guy that nobody wants to mess with, mess with when he was first drafted was Barry Beck with mm. Colorado. Right. With Colorado. Everybody I talked to, you know, he was he filled out his jersey so much. Randy Holt told me when he went to grab him, he, he couldn't get nothing. <laughs> his muscle. And, uh, you know, Barry was like a lefty and didn't mind beat up, beating up anybody. Jerry Gillis, a finesse player, he pounded. Pounded Paul Holmgren. When he came to the Rangers, you know, had to play. play, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Most of these guys can, you know, can right. play. Danny Maloney can play. Gillies is a Hall of Famer. Nystrom can play. He scored that goal against the, goal, yeah. against well, the Flyers. The thing, talking about Teddy, he's had a couple 20-goal seasons. So oh, these yeah. guys were very tough, but they could score I got all those goals too. down but I think too. the 70s fighters were players that could fight, as opposed to some of the guys in the 80s were just fighters. Well, after the Flyer, you know, the NHL has a tendency to follow the Stanley Cup mm -hmm. winners. So everybody started getting the tough guys after the mm -hmm. Flyers won the two Cups. Do you think also with the WHA 
Um, oh, I love that. That was a big fighting yeah. league. Yep. Also, so they would probably take guys from there. We used to go to Hartford for for WHA Hartford games, Hartford Whalers. Mm-hmm. They had some tough boys out there. Semenko started there. Right. Charles Constantine from from uh, Quebec. You know, Fatio was there. Mm-hmm. Fatio and Carlson in a, in a bench brawl with with Minnesota. He fought. Uh, Carlson, Jack Carlson, that was on the bench and on the ice, and uh, we—I never got film of it. I would kill for some of this stuff. That right. was one of the Hanson brothers, right? Yeah, one of the hit. But Jack wasn't there. Jack was up, so okay. only Jeff, who was very tough. Steve wasn't a fighter. I mean, he—he he said he was, but he wasn't. Mm. Wasn't a fighter. Dave Hanson was a fighter. Uh, the one that uh, that played the, one of the Carlson. It was okay. a fam- famous fight with Dave Hanson and Bobby Hall. Of who? Dave Hansen and Bobby Hall, where Dave pulled off Bobby's two. Oh, with the wig, yeah. Yeah, pulled off his wig. <laughs> <laughs> and there, well, I have a tape of the Winnipeg Jets, who were a bunch of Europeans, and Bobby Hall. They later on they got Kim Claxon and mm-hmm. WHA. But the film we got from the WHA people, Durbano comes off the ice and runs Hull from behind from about fifty feet. Oh. I mean, it was a run and a half. Now, Bobby Hulk was fighting mm-hmm. his day. Mm-hmm. I, I had a picture, a, a film of him beating up Reggie Fleming. He was a ranger at one time. And mm-hmm. and, and, uh, he, and when you took a stance against fighting, you were my enemy. Mm-hmm. I I got people at work that told me, this is back in the 70s, 80s, that, oh, stupid. You were, <laughs> you were not on my side. I didn't talk to her. For two weeks, one time for telling me fighting stupid and hockey. <laughs> it's your wife there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like I'm a changed person now. You're entitled to your opinion. Uh, you know, the European hockey. I don't dislike the guys. I just don't want to watch them play. The style, yeah. Just like Don Cherry said, mm. I don't want to. Uh, you know, why don't they go play over there? And I, I met them. You know, there's a couple of tough Europeans. Uh, Chris Oliwa, Jan Ludwig. Timo Blomqvist in a great fight with Gary Howitt. The Swedish goon, again, I don't want to use the word, but Matt Saline mm-hmm. played for the Islanders in Minnesota. They're four of the, of the toughest guys I can think of from the European. They're just not brought up on fighting. Mm-hmm. And then when you when they, when the NHL used to play the Russians, they were f- filthy as hell with spearing behind mm-hmm. the play. Mm-hmm. I mean, during the, the cup, the 79 uh, cup, which, you know, when... I always root for Canada. Right. <laughs> always rooted for Canada. I, you know, I'm an American, but Canadian boys, when they when they were in the league, the majority, they're, they want to win the cup, and they'll do anything to win the cup. Anything. You get a guy from Europe coming in, you know, winning the cup for him, it's, you know, it's more money, and plus he wants to get home to his family. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're not into it like, like the Canadians. Then there the American people, you know, Holmgren, Nick Fatio, then they have mostly finesse people. Mm-hmm. Joey Mullen. Uh, but you needed those Fatios and the Semenkos to protect your finesse no, players. Yes. And that's one thing about the game that bothers me is if anybody touched Gretzky, Semenko would take mm-hmm. his head off. And Gretzky and, actually had four or five fights. Did he? Yep. Tell us if any good Gretzky Paul, fights. Paul Broughton, nothing to brag about. Yeah. Paul Broughton and him, I'd say maybe three punches to two. Broughton, <laughs> uh, Dave Taylor suckered him. And these are finesse players. Right. And dropped them. And he was down for like a minute. Uh, Bob Murray of the Blackhawks pounding them. Uh, so when, when that happened, then then later on in the game, would those guys pay the price for dropping Gretzky? You know, when it was a finesse person, I don't think as much. But the big brawl was with Pittsburgh with Kim Claxon. They had to come after Claxon like two or three times because he, uh, you know, he ran Gretzky. I remember John Blum from the Bruins ran him off. You couldn't touch him. Mm-hmm. But first of all. He couldn't catch him. He's too fast, right? You know, uh, when he put that, when he started saying fighting should be banned, he did it for me. Right. I I met him. He gave me like two sticks because I gave him three of his Indianapolis racer goals Mm. that I got on film. And I mean, what a tremendous person for hockey. Yes. No matter how much the pressure was on, he always was there for press conferences. Always classy. Yeah, always classy, no matter what. And other times with, with, uh, like Claxon, one time he attacked the the uh, mascot that came around <laughs> with the Indianapolis Racers. You know, there's fights with people. Have you ever heard of Bill Goldthorpe? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goldthorpe was yeah. made after him. Bill yeah. was, we flew out to San Diego for the when they had the Canada Cup. I wasn't interested in it. 
we flew out to San Diego for the San Diego Hawks. The WHA had folded. They had guys like Glenn Irwin, Reggie Krasansky, Goldthorpe, Bruce Grigg, all fighters. We know Bruce. We know Bruce Gregg. We Do used you to know train, train yeah. with him in Okotoks, oh, well. Alberta. He owned a powerlifting gym, and both of us trained with him. We just both did the same weird look at each other. When you said Bruce Gregg, so, so tell us about Bruce, because yeah, Bruce would always talk about his NHL days, so oh, he yeah. was a tough guy. The best thing with, with Bruce, you know, Bugsy Watson, uh, yeah. Brian Watson? Yeah, my dad's old roommate. <laughs> he beat the daylights out of, out of Watson, and the story was he made Campbell's soup. Because they called him Soupy, and uh, out of him, you know, he, Brian Watson was a a tough guy. I mean, they, they they put him out there to follow, you know, to stay on hull. Okay. And uh, yeah, he was. That's, he's one guy that I tried to talk to that wasn't interested. Greg or Watson? Uh, of Watson, Watson, Brian Watson. But but the thing is, a lot of guys they if they don't know you. You know, Jim Poplinski was kind of cold, mm. and uh, they don't know you. It's like they think you're going to put it put it down because the press is constantly calling them everything in the book. Mm. Right. And uh, now, what was I getting back to before with the uh, with Bruce Grigg? He fought Jim Paneluck out there in in uh, in San Diego. That Hawk, that Hawk team was unbelievable. Now, coming in, unfortunately, Bill Goldthorpe was injured, a broken arm. I go up to him. Before the game, it's like, yeah, you know, get out of here, you know. I, you know, <laughs> somebody challenged me. I would have fought, but I mean, these guys are my heroes. So you yeah. would go before the game and hang out to try oh, I and always, take a picture or give them some? Uh, not a picture, but before I would leave my house at 11 o'clock in the morning, uh, I had I had Sunday and Tuesday over. It took me 20 years to get Saturday, Sunday over in the post office. I'd drive out to Long Island and go to the hotel and meet the players there. Plus, I never listened to authority. Mm. When I went to the games, Mazda Square Garden, I'd walk up to the press box, <laughs> not the press box, the <laughs> announcer's box, and walk in. Because we went dressed in those days. Oh, yeah. I had my three-and-a-half-inch high heels <laughs> and my uh, <laughs> and my, uh, my baggies, uh, you know, baggy. That was the style. Yeah, yeah, style and my overcoat. And everything like that. And a couple of people thought I was actually a player at times. Mm. And, you know, I used to go right through with it. You told me don't go. I went. <laughs> and I used to go to announcers for results, players for results. Uh, writers actually became friends with me. Then they kept track of fights mm. I couldn't see until I started trading. Mm. I put an ad in the Hockey News in 78, 79. And... Uh, what had happened was I started getting people all over the country taping, Canada and the U.S. Oh, That's so how tape trading going yeah. on back then. Like that used to be like that for wrestling too, yeah. but they was for hockey. Uh, yeah, I've got a couple yeah. things from guys for wrestling. Now these guys that came about, most of them had everything that I gave them. There was a, there was an older guy uh, in New York that had real to real black and white tapes that was a kook just like me. <laughs> when we when I brought fights over there, you know, here he was on the phone with a doctor. And uh, with his, um, for an appointment, he hangs up on a guy because, holy shit, Mario Trombley's in a fight. You know, I, I got to see this doc. I got to get going. So the wife has said, you're supposed to make an appointment with him for, for next week. It's important. I don't care. I got fights on. So he gave us all his stuff. That was like black and white, but they joined a lot in progress. Mm. And they were kind of dirty. We had to clean them up. And I started doing, you know, back in the day before the satellite, those teams that I mentioned, Vancouver, L.A., they answered my ad, and they wanted me to do games for them. You know, in other words, they stats. couldn't get the Islanders against their, you know, for instance, they're playing the Islanders. What they want to do is they want to get to two games before that game so they can scout it. Oh. So they couldn't get that game. They would call me up and say, can you tape the Islanders in uh, Boston? And they gave me a Federal Express account. And they would come and pick it up at my house and bring it there. I would take the fights off right away because oh, wow. I wouldn't give that to anybody until that was done. I'd drive down to Philadelphia and give them tape the same night. Me and her would go for a cheesesteaks. Mm -hmm. Flyer organization was the greatest organization I've ever I had full go, all their tapes in Hershey, the farm team, full go. I want a great story. This is something I don't know if I, I, I'm not going to mention the guy's name. But before I had my 15 minutes of fame, the guys I hated the most were John D'Amico, Kevin Collins, their linesmen, and maybe Pat DePuzza, always breaking up fights by themselves. 
So I walked by in a spectrum because I always got in there early. Collins was out there. I can't curse on here, right? I, I told him, I said, stay out of the fights, asshole. He, like, looked at me like, uh, you know, what, are you what are you talking about? So now we go to the garden, and, I, you know, like I said, I'm all dressed up. I'm with that kook Lenny. My next door neighbor that I flipped the bed over on, and John D'Amico <laughs> comes in with John McCauley. Uh, John McCauley, the referee. I said, You know, D'Amico, you're a f asshole. You want to go? Let's go. It says outside, of the and people, oh, he would have kept. Now, I was top shape, I was 210 pounds. Of, I ran every day, I unloaded trailers by myself. Right. I, I, and I could handle myself. I'm not saying... No, but you wanted to fight the linesman for yeah, breaking up the fights. Yes, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he was he was a mature man. He's not going to bother. McCauley turns, oh, leave him alone. I said, John, I don't have a, I don't have a problem with you. Mm. I have a problem with this asshole. <laughs> he just kept going. Now, we'll get down to the, the main story. I'm at the spectrum. One of the linesmen, I'm going to say his name, Bob Hodges, breaks up three fights. Now, I'm fuming. I'm waiting at the down in the in by the where the players come out, and I'm not expecting the linesman to come out. He comes out with Swede Knox, who I loved. He was a kind of classic, a, yeah, yeah, a, a kind of a mellow guy that didn't really waited. You're supposed to wait, and I tell you, you take the flyer, I'll take the ranger, and mm -hmm. not jump in by yourself. Hodges comes out, he says, you know, scumbag, why don't you stay the f out of the fights? Doesn't say nothing. When he gets up to the top of the ramp, he goes, you talk tough down there. I said, I talk tough down there? I'm not Mr. Tough Guy. I th Like an idiot, I always used to throw my coat on the ground. I go running up to the top. He runs on the St. Louis Blues bus. Wouldn't come out. Larry Patey comes out. And, you know, Patey maybe had three or four fights. I'm a nice guy. Oh, you know, he's scared. He doesn't want to. I said, he's a jerk off. <laughs> he, you know, you, you don't do your job by jumping in by himself. Oh, well, you know, I had to leave because they were calling the police. <laughs> I don't blame them. This crazy fan you wants know, to beat up the referee. You know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't, don't get me wrong. I, I never, I don't even drink. I don't, yeah. I'm not a drinker. I'm not a smoker. But you're passionate. Yeah. I, when you did something like that, I was looking to kill, mm. especially when you ruined my entertainment. Mm. Yeah. Or somebody standing up in front of me in the fight, a fight breaks out, I always tell them, I'm going to tell you something. You get in my way of a fight, you're going to wind up going down the steps. So you would get into it when the fights oh, were yeah. on. I, I made sure, I never, the Garden and the LA Forum are the worst two games, two places to watch a game at. Because they're they're made by they were made by the same engineer or whatever you call them, and on the sides, you can't sit on the sides because everybody stood up and you missed the corner work. So I had a season ticket on the side of the goal to see everything, but even in L.A. they they sent me a lot of tape for Terry Raskowski stuff was was blocked off and and all that stuff. But another story, of my first video machine, 1970. Eight when I rented that room, seventy-seven to seventy-eight. I'm going to pick it up, and I come outside one o'clock from work. The guy goes, "Your car's parked way in the back. You should have told me." Anyway, to make a long story short. I, I I had to go back to work. I come back out. He goes, "I got bad news for you. Kids broke into your car, and they broke your key." I'm 21 years old at the time. I have to take a bus home from Newark. And when I get home, I need somebody. I had a 74 brand new Thunderbird, and I had a junk 67 Chevy that I was driving. They stole my 8-track. They did this. They did that. We're at home, and I had, the only person I can get to drive the car is, is Lenny, the maniac. <laughs> we go down to the parking lot. It's all cleared. This little old black guy calls me. He goes, you know something, young man? He said, do you see those guys up on the corner? They're the ones that have been breaking into the cars. He goes, I'm too old. I said, I'm going to break into the car, no problem. Instead of, I think God was with me because I took a baseball bat out. And there was five of them standing on the corner. They were like 17 years old. Instead of going up there and, and whacking one of them, you know, I think the Lord was with me because I started, you mother refers want to break into, break into cars. Four of them ran up the street towards Broad Street, the main street. The other kid made the mistake of running down. He runs into a machine shop car shop. I come in there and swing at the bat missed his head by an inch. He falls into a vat of, they were changing oil, big <laughs> vat of oil. I pick him up by his hair and drag him out. I'm on the 
concrete. When I brought him outside, my friend Lenny gets her old ballsy, double strong left. Mm. Breaks his nose. What oh, a sucker geez. shot. Blood all over the place. I got his arm because you're breaking my arm. They said, by the time, if I don't get my stuff back, you're going to have every bone in your body. I'm, you know, I'm not proud of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But back then, that's how we were. Right. So I decided I'm going to take him into the North Police Station. Like an idiot, I go in there with a bat. He goes, where are you going with that? I said, I thought that, you know, these punks had been robbing stuff left and right. And he squealed on everybody. He was crying like a baby. Mm -hmm. Two years later, I'm in this bodega for a sandwich. I go in there. There's food all over the counter. He was behind some rack. All of a sudden, I see somebody flying out the door. It was him. He's still scared. Yeah. Uh, you know, it It was like, you know, nothing to do with hockey, but he messed me up, and I missed Mel Bridgman and Randy Holt that night because... <laughs> that's the moral of the story. Because of him. That's that's why I was fuming. I never got my VCR. You don't want to miss a Mel Bridgman fight. Talk about something that you never seen anymore, which of course is the bench clearing brawls. I've seen about twenty of them. But tell us about those and, and some of that you saw. The best bench clearing brawl was George Plimpton's. And preseason games are the best thing to go to for fights. Uh, George Plimpton played five minutes in net before the game, mm. and they played the Bruins. Don Cherry coaching them. Anyway, Jimmy Watson gets into a stick fight with Wayne Cashman. Holmgren comes out off and fights Cashman. And next thing you know, the bench is empty. Bridgman came, comes off first. And there's a couple of fights going on. Uh, in fact, I have them listed here somewhere because there was like 12 fights. Mike Forbes was a rookie on there. He fought Dave Hoyda twice, and they split. I was like listening to my hockey card collection. <laughs> I know all these names. And then uh, you know, Milbury beat up uh, – Bob Kelly beat up uh, – Gary Doak, Ross Lonsbury beat up Gary Doak. Doak was a horrible fighter. He was probably one of your your mm -hmm. father's teammates. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a whole bunch of fights going on. Next thing you know, the team stop and they go off the ice, running into their exits. What had happened was Cashman and Holmgren got together under the stands. I've been in the locker room, so they didn't lock the gate. Oh, my goodness. So they went at it on concrete. And all, <laughs> the, all the players came in. And, awesome. We're, we didn't know what's going on. I'm like in the second deck looking over. Spectrum was great to watch a game. Mm. And uh, next thing you know, people come out and Terry O'Reilly is is pounding on Oris Kindrichuk. Bridgman jumps him, starts to fight with O'Reilly. Everybody was fighting. And these guys had to get their skates resharpened mm. to come out. Wow, right. So Bridgman was tired as hell. Who comes out? The first guy he's looking for, he, he was going to sucker, was, was Peter McNabb, who probably was in, a, in there saying his prayers. <laughs> uh, you know, I met him, but he was always crying. Oh, the way to stop fighting is let the referee call everything. He, he yeah, joined yeah. my list on that. <laughs> but anyway, he beat Mel Bridgman 10 punches to 9 because hmm. Bridgman was – you know, arm tired. Right. And when I told him that, he goes, yeah, he goes, I was surprised you knew that. I said, well, I didn't see you win too many other ones, but, you know, <laughs> at least you tried. Because when you played for Cherry, for Cherry to get Rick Middleton to drop his gloves mm -hmm. was a miracle. Mm. You know, I used to tape the games on 38. Middleton actually fought Daryl Sittler in a game. Wow. And I was surprised as hell. Both Sittler, guys. Huh. Yeah. Well, Sittler was could fight. Sittler, if you've seen that piece on me, the whole piece mm. has when I get into the locker room, Bobby Nystrom said the best fight he ever saw was Sittler and Howard down on their knees. Mm. I tell him I, I was pissed off because I had to work at the post office. I threw a hamper across into the wall and I worked with basically old guys. They tell you, know, who the hell is this maniac? <laughs> you know, I don't want to, you know, I, that wasn't me. Well, that's why Sittler was a great captain. Score goals, fight, he fights. Same with right. like Bobby Clark. Bobby Clark was like you that know. as well. That's right? the the seventies. The captains were Bobby Orr. Uh, Bobby Orr is the greatest hockey player I've ever seen. In your opinion? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I've never seen. I get chills. I'm Clark. just getting chills mentioning his name. I mean, the things that he did. Plus, he fought. You know, Gretzky. I I consider all around player. Everybody hit. You know, Gretzky, if me and uh, her played on his line, we'd score 50 goals. Yeah, just keep your stick he, on the ice. He had eyes behind his head. Yeah. You know, he was that great. But Orr, oh, my he God. He also changed the position. 
It changed our Oh, yeah. yeah. It changed everything. That opened up everything yeah. with the defensemen, but Coffee, Gila Point, you know, uh, Dennis Potvin was, mm-hmm. was fan, Larry Robinson. Those guys were, you know, the Montreal power play was incredible. And the WHA, I mean, I seen Hedberg and Nielsen, their power play couldn't even touch Quebec. Oh, wow. Quebec yeah. had Mark Tardif, mm-hmm. Ray, uh, Ray, uh, Real Cloutier, mm-hmm. and one of the Bordelo brothers. They were like, and they mm-hmm. had on the point J.C. Tromley, and I can't think of the other guy, but they were like really talented. How did the game change when you're talking about enforcers from the 70s to the 80s? Because they were still pretty prevalent in the 80s. Oh, it was prevalent yeah. all the way into the 2000s. Right. Until the strike. Mm-hmm. And when Bettman came in, mm. you know, there was people. I, I stopped taping in 2012. I had nine recorders going in my house. And you could ask her, if we went out, I had to come home at quarter to 10 to change my tapes mm. so I can get the late games. So any yeah. fights that happened, you would take those fights and then edit them? Yeah, put them onto. I got like about tape. maybe 2,000. Uh, hours and plus i have like four thousand games i haven't even gone over yet has the nhl ever contacted you oh yeah i had i did some historian uh no or or to get all this footage Uh, they have these guys everybody when people started selling everybody got a letter i didn't because i did stuff with people i wasn't selling Mm. if you like for instance if you if your father came up to me i'd say ted can you do me a favor and get me uh three games that wasn't televised because all the games were taped not in his day mm. and he would bring out three games that i i didn't have that had fights in them i would give him two hours of fights gotcha i have best ofs mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know where but they're all on vhs i haven't switched them over mm-hmm. and uh they, it was a different world the 80s when Probert came in and uh, Bobby was the type of guy that when I get... I was going to say, what about the Probert Cox? Oh, uh, that was unbelievable. I even got the, the thing down. He had, a, he had a cup, but Cox lost three teeth. Yeah. yeah. We'll just go back to what you were talking about with Probert in the first place, what, what kind of a player he was. And, and... Oh, Bobby was un- unbelievable. Actually, I seen him in Adirondack at, at Hershey with the playoffs for like a war. Mike Stuthers and all guys. He didn't do anything at that game there, but I went into the... He says, come on into the locker room. I said, I'm, I'm not meant to, I, you know, I stood outside Hershey. I, I owned the building. I went wherever ever I wanted. That's how great they were. John Paddock treated me like a king. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Mike Felino, Jay Wells. The only asshole was the Quebec, the uh, Colorado coach, the, the French guy. I can't think of his name. Mm-hmm. What a, <laughs> you know, he wouldn't give me certain tapes right. uh, with fights in them. And Bob McGill came out. He goes, what's wrong? I said, that asshole... You know, I'm doing tapes. I'm staying down there for a week. You can't. He goes, I'll see what I can do. Mm. He, he, real prick. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I'm losing my training. No, so, like, you're mentioning Probert. We're, We're kind of talking about the next generation of guys. That yeah. Came in in when Probert came, came in, he was fighting fighting everybody. Incredible stamina. Him, Marty McSorley, Tim Hunter had the best stamina I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he got dropped by Todd Ewing. In a game, and the first thing he did was come out and fight him. Mm. That's the best thing you have to do, was come out there and plus learn to throw with both hands. And he wasn't the greatest mind-wise because I flew to Detroit for exhibition, and he was supposed to give me a stick. I'm not a big collector. I had known uh, Barry Melrose. He gave me two years of the Adirondack Red Wings fights. I go into the locker room, and... uh one of the guys they sent out, Dave Lewis, to tell me, you know, you can't be here. Mm. So on my way out, Prober comes down. I said, Bobby, did you get that stick? He goes, oh, just go in there and tell them that I told you to give them the stick. I said, Bob, do you think they're going to let me go in there and, and tell, you know, they don't know me. Mm. So then I'm talking. I said, what was the fight with, with McGuire like? I said, I got it, but I haven't put it on. I haven't watched the game. I fought him. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it was at the end of his, mm-hmm. you know, his time. But, you know, the biggest mistake is going back. I went into Windsor and it's a nice, a nice town. Going back to your to your home when you're a millionaire or whatever, whatever. And guys saying, you know, what are you too good to get high with us or mm-hmm. or too good to do this? You got to push that shit aside. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, that was his downfall, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Coming back through the tunnel with open containers, with this, that. I was sick over him, over him. And Colin Campbell was a close guy to me, you know, when, when he coached. 
I met him in, in uh, Teaneck when Prober and Kosa were there. And I said, yeah, where's uh, Joey? He says, oh, ask him when you talk, ask him about his Dave Richter beating that he got. And I said, I'm, I'm not like that. I don't talk fights, talk to somebody and ask them about their losses. Mm-hmm. I talk and ask about other fights. So Colin became a close guy, even when he's with the Rangers, giving me the Binghamton tape. He had me write out a scouting report for the whole league on fighters. Mm-hmm. And... Wow. Uh, they wouldn't give me an NHL pass. Roger Nielsen said, well, we'll give him a, a Ranger golf shirt. <laughs> what do I want to do with that? <laughs> Nobody would give me an NHL. Lou Lamorello came up in the Philadelphia lock uh, press room. How can I get some of your fights? He says, give me an NHL pass. He says, I see you down there. You know, you don't have to. You don't even need a pass. He said, "Low." when the security guards get a, you know, they don't know me and I don't have a pass until I got an AHL pass Mm -hmm. from the Springfield owner. uh, I went everywhere. I didn't pay for a game from 90 on up. Mm -hmm. And not that I was cheap, but when you can get in, you can get in. That's right. And I always used to go to the locker rooms after the game to talk my business and get stuff. I gave uh, a lot of guys tapes down there for other fights and all kind of Mm -hmm. some people for nothing. I got screwed a couple of times, but so what? So who, in your opinion, are the, are, are the greatest fighters of all time? I go by the, by the uh, what do you call it, by the decades. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I said, the 80s, I can just name, you know, Ben Wilson, Bob Probert, Barry Beck, Dave Brown, some of the, you know, he was from 82 to 95, Semenko, Nick Fatil, Larry Playfair, Willie Plett, mm. Kurt Frazier, Marty McSorley, Joe Koser. You know, those were guys that were standouts. I oh, I never could put a, a number one on somebody mm-hmm. because sometimes people would get you at the end of the shift. Believe it or not, most people told me, and I, I never knew there was an English-French thing mm-hmm. up there. Mm-hmm. And most of the English people told me that the French guys wait to the end of your shift. Mm-hmm. And, uh, really? And till you're tired. Wow. And, and then they come after you. Interesting. So, I, uh, my very, you'll appreciate this. My very first tour of Japan, we flew from Calgary to LA and then LA to Tokyo. And the Edmonton Oilers were flying to LA as well. They were on, they must have just played the Flames. They were on our flight. This is before I guess they flew private. And I was sitting next to a guy and I'm like, this guy looks so familiar. I know, I, 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 who is it? What's his name? What's his name? So he gets up to go to the bathroom and he's got his, his carry on underneath the, the seat. So I go down and I grab the, uh, tag. Dave Semenko, and just as I'm, I look up and he's standing right there, and he goes, "Get your hands off my bag!" And I'm like, really? sorry." And I sat there and looked at my shoes the rest of the flight. I was so like, he, was, he just sat there like angry. But it was like, yeah, you see these guys up close; they are big, intimidating men. And you, you imagine them, you know, two, three inches taller on skates. There's no joke with these guys. Now, most of them are tremendous guys off the ice. Mm-hmm. I, I used to go to rookie games. Those, those were loaded with fights before the you know, preseason rookie game. Flyers and Devils in, in total in New Jersey. Small rink, 12 fights. Greg Smith, S-M-Y-T-H, complete <laughs> lunatic. You know, I'm talking with him. He's in regular clothes. No, he's in a uniform still. He had fought Alan Stewart during the game, another devil, Boston Bruin. He goes, when this one comes out here, I'm going to sucker him. I said, Greg. You don't do that stuff. Keep it on the ice. You want to stay in the league. Mm-hmm. You need to calm it down. I don't care, you know. Right. If it happened, it happened. But I knew I know him, and I'm going to tell him. Alan Stewart comes walking by in his suit. Hey, how you doing, Greg? Yeah, and they yeah. shook hands. That's how it should be. Right. Leave you know, it on the ice. Right? Let, you know, there's people like uh, Maurice Rocket Richard. Wouldn't talk to Ted Lindsay for 25 years. Wow. He hated Ted Lindsay. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that was the old days. Another story. I'm in the garden at Madison Square Garden playing the Canadians. I used to sit down and practice to study numbers from the opposing teams. All of a sudden, Scotty Bowman comes out, very stuck-up type of guy, sits behind me and goes, you have t- season tickets? Yeah, he goes, I goes, who's on the power play? Who does the penalty killing? And I tell him, all of a sudden he becomes enraged. Where, that son of a bitch, I'll find his ass so big. Gila Point was talking to Gilles Villemur at the blue line, at the red line. 
nobody does that on my team. Oh, gotcha. And, and goes storming off. That's the way, like John Ferguson wouldn't talk to anybody at the end of the season to uh, to uh, different different mm -hmm. guys. Mm -hmm. That's the way they were back then. You played for your team before agents came in. Right. You know, agents come in and they got seven guys, uh, you know, all on different teams and they get together in the summer for a barbecue or whatever. It's a different world. Now, I don't even know any of the people in the, in the league no more. Mm -hmm, like, when you guys went to the Nashville game, mm -hmm. I don't, did you go? Yeah, I was there. Yeah, was I, I would if, if Tony knew me and brought, I wouldn't have went. Because mm. he would have been waking me up after the first minute. Yeah. Boredom. Yeah. Mm. yeah. You know, and, they, and they lead the league in fights, believe it or not, with, with 22. Yeah, there I, was a couple little skirmishes, but there was no real fights at all. Yeah. yeah, on the film, Earl McRae did the talking. And uh, he brought me to the. I don't know. They shortened it. I don't know if you've seen the whole, t the whole thing. The tape of you. The, the yeah. Of you didn't see the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, Anthony put the whole thing on. They brought me to the game. I'm yelling. Uh, you know, nobody hits in this. Anthony told me not to use the word. You know, pussy league. Right. And uh, <laughs> the reason wasn't because of the players. Mm -hmm. It was because in 1980 they changed the rules to where now. If you if you drop the gloves, if me and you were fighting, and these guys are here, you have to go to your bench. Oh. And if not, you get a ten minute misconduct. Oh wow! Gotcha. And before, everybody used to drop their gloves. Mm -hmm. Everybody on the ice and peer grab off. a guy. Yeah. And some of those secondary fights were nasty as can be. Mm -hmm. Nobody to break it up. Mm -hmm. You know, unfortunately, somebody like Rod Sealing. Who had one fight maybe in his career? You remember him with the with your? Of course, your, yeah. they would just you know, hold the jersey and just. Stand oh well, he, well, Don Cherry always said, "When you don't want trouble, don't look into the other guy's eyes. Yeah. Turn your head like this." And and uh, you know, people ceiling one time. Steve Shutt ran one of my favorite players, Eddie Jockman. Loved the guy, ran him, and ceiling was right there. He had no. Yeah, this is your goalie. Eddie Jockman's the goalie, by the oh, way. Oh, Eddie was unbelievable. Yeah. Great, great guy, and. Uh, Ceiling had no choice but to grab shot, but he grabbed him and held for dear life, and they gave them five minutes for fighting. Because hmm. well, yeah. that was the rule too. I mean, it still should be. But if someone even goes near your goaltender, you got to oh, take yeah. them out. Oh, yeah. That's guaranteed. Right. Greg Greg Smith, who I was talking, and noted AHL goalie runner. Hmm. I mean, slamming goalies into the back wall. I mean, he just was nuts. So who, who were the toughest goalies that you ever witnessed? Billy Smith. Uh, <laughs> Billy's made a statement that if anybody doesn't like fighting. Tell me, I'll pay for the ticket and sit in the stand and watch it. You know, Patrick Wall had a couple of good fights. Sean Burke was a good fighter. Uh, I actually listed a couple of goalies. Uh, Al Smith and Andy Brown from the 60s. Uh, Ray Emery, hmm. black dude, mm -hmm. unbelievable fighter. Wow. What about Hextall? Uh, yeah, Hextall a couple of times. He was, he was more dirty than anything, yeah, right? With, yeah. with anything. I mean, it's... His father is the one that Schultz beat up, Brian Hextall. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't yeah. know that was his father. Yeah. Interesting. And Dennis was the uncle. He was pretty tough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those guys, when Schultz first came up, they had guys like Keith McCrary, you know, uh, the Plagers. Mm -hmm. uh, Bobby Player gave me a cigarette when I was five Bobby years old. Was <laughs> Bobby was on five years old. It's old school. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting story about him. I'm at the Garden, and, and the, the Blues are playing the Rangers, and – at the far end, everybody's up ice. Durbano takes Walt Kachuk and slams him into the goal. This is when they were posted in mm -hmm. with locked in, yes. not the magnets. They couldn't move. Slammed them right chest first into the into the uh, goal post and just skated away. So I fly to St. Louis the next year to pick up tape from Bobby. He was the Peoria coach. And I said, Bob, I'm going to ask you something. I, you know, I never, got, never talked to Steve. What was the reason for him, you know, slamming Kachuka into the goalpost? He says, best reason of all, he had a different uniform on than ours. Uh, <laughs> that was <laughs> that was what they the way they he once in the brawl bench brawl in St. Louis when Gasoff was there, he beat up Billy Fairburn. He knocked Billy Fairburn's teeth mm. up and through his gums, mm. and he fought Burt Wilson off the screen. Uh, wild wild game. Uh, Bobby suckered Derek Sanderson with about eight unanswered punches. Mm. So I'd asked him about that. He says, that's what you call payback. He cheap shot at me about eight years ago. Mm. Never forget. Wow. And Sanderson was a, was a high dollar goal Well, scorer. when he got to the Rangers, you know, 
his first game, I'm out there, and they're playing Detroit, and he beats up Bugsy Watson. They know who to go after and get the crowd going. He was hated. They had a, they had a, uh, what would you call it when they put a, a marker on you for any bounty, a bounty yeah. on on yeah. him uh, when he came in and with ball. He fought Jockman one time. You know, later on when he got into his shit, he wasn't the same player when he came to New York. Mm-hmm. But uh, he always told me I, when I met Gasoff, he came out first. I was talking to him. He said, "Oh, Bobby is incredible." He said, "I've never seen a player like him for fighting." Is it still Plague? Are you talking about or Bobby? Bob, Bobby Gasol. Bobby Gasol. Yeah. So I mean, I, I wander all over the place with with talking. I'm no, sorry. No, that's all right. You do. This is great. I was going to ask you now. Uh, what are some of the, some of the, the the best fights you've ever seen? Yeah, I got them here. Because there's some classics that everybody kind of remembers. Well, there's sure a lot you... of stuff that I put down that people might not even remember, other than a Cox thing. Uh, Burt Wilson, Jack McElhardy in Philadelphia. About a 35 punch swing out. Wow. Mm. Both were thrown out. I didn't see Bert. I gave Bert Wilson and Dave Hutchison, I got to know. Hutchison, Dion, Rob Palmer, uh, Bert Wilson, a ride from the hotel. I used to do this to players, not a lot. Mm. And if you looked at Bert Wilson, he was a thin guy, but his knuckles mm. were huge. And Jack was marked up. He always cut. But he he was one of the best guys for backing up his teammate, Jamie McCowan and Ron Delorme. Oh wow! Incredible fight. If wow. I can ever get a DVD put together, I'm going to give you guys some Please. some great. McCowan was a big man too. Remember yeah, how big he was? It wasn't was, a, wasn't a fighter a lot. No. But Ron Delorme, I met him in a hotel in New Jersey, and we actually had dinner, and he brought me a tape. And that fight was on there, him and Scott Stevens, toe-to-toe. He said he had great fights with McElhargy. After the f- fight, uh, McElhargy tapping, that's the way I like to go, toe-to-toe. <laughs> Larry Playfair and him. Bridgman and Nystrom, one of my first fights I ever had on tape, but it came out black and white. Mm. And toe-to-toe, they must have four or five times. Jonathan and Bouchard, mm. you know, the one, you remember so that, where he bloodied him up? Knocked him out. Well, he sure. bloodied him up yeah. pretty bit. But Bouchard was a tough guy. He fought Schultz in the 72, 73 ser- uh, series, Stanley Cup, and the, uh, not the finals, but they went at it a couple of times. Tiger Williams and McElhargy, mm. Brad Maxwell and Stan Jonathan. Great fight. Yeah. Great. But these are, unless you're a fan, you know, I don't know if you'd know it, but Rudy Postcheck. And Dean Yu and Todd Ewan's brother in a rookie game at the Coliseum. Oh, wow. I remember Rudy Poshek. I was the only one. Me and my friend Mark Topaz is my buddy. Another fight nut. We were allowed into games that people couldn't come into. Oh. And the rookie Islander rookie team and the Ranger rookie team were loaded with fighters. They had a toe-to-toe swing out. And you and the kid Dean, he actually beat him hmm. in the fight. Shane Sherla, one of my favorite players mm-hmm. ever, and Jimmy Bewalda, a OHO guy and a rookie game in Hoboken, <laughs> Hartford and the Devils. Swing outs, two swing outs, unbelievable. Never taped it. Shane Sherler, Kevin McGuire. In in uh, IHL, John Cordick and Joe Patterson. Toe to toe from one end to the other. I forgot about Cordick. He was. Oh, yeah. John, I made tapes for him. He goes, don't put none of that old shit on. <laughs> so he told me, he says, I can't stand the press. They're always getting on me. I said, John. Just tell them you got a job to do. Mm-hmm. You're an enforcer. This isn't. You're not a criminal. Mm-hmm. You know, Jimmy Kite and Gord Klozak. Great fight. <laughs> Jimmy, I made stuff for Jim Kite. You know, he had, he had, he was deaf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a nice kid. He didn't like to do that. Yeah. But. Well, he played for the Jets, and I remember yeah. there was this might it might even be this fight. Somebody knocked him out, and that was kind of the end of his time as a yeah. Kosher had knocked him. Kosher did right because he yeah. was on, he was on fire, unbeatable. Mm-hmm. Then he got knocked down, knocked out, whatever, and that kind of ended his run. Even in the in the IHL, he got it. Mm-hmm. Barry Potomsky knocked him out, and I felt sorry for him. Now I don't like to see my guys hurt. Like Sherla, I was pretty good friends with him. I met him at the hotel. I said, "What happened last night with Dean Kennedy, an underrated fighter?" He goes, "I don't even want to talk about it." Mm-hmm. That's the only time I ever because I didn't see it. He goes, "He beat the daylights out of me," mm-hmm. and you know these guys. But see, here's the thing. My, you mentioned Clark Gillies earlier. My dad has a story about Clark Gillies knocking him out, and he still to this day, I think Clark Gillies just passed away recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He still to this day had a grudge in the back of his head, I can tell, about this Clark Gillies, like this motherfucker. 
that was like you know forty years ago, forty five years ago. That doesn't that's, go away. That's the way I I have men here fighting him. I I don't I don't remember seeing it to tell you the truth. I remember the Robinson fight with him. So so these fifty one uh, fights you've seen. What was what do you think? Is there any Teddy Irvin fights that stand out for you? You know, a lot I didn't see because with the Kings, I never, you know, I never gotcha. seen them. And the Ranger fights, sometimes they weren't televised. And a lot of these idiots just jump into fights by themselves, you know, the, the yeah, lines. Yeah. But, but like I said, Teddy with Magnuson is a good fight. I can't remember, you know, there's stuff I look at, and I used to mark down in my book, X and T, meaning I seen an Evan on tape, or X and a, another X, meaning I was there. Oh, wow. To see the fight. I had to do that because when I'm looking at the fight, <laughs> some of the stuff doesn't come back to me. Right. Except the standouts. You know, mm. you know who gave Gillies a, a hard time? Danny Gear. Mm. Danny Gear swung toe to toe with him. Yeah. And uh, he also said in an interview that the worst beating he had was from Bob Paradise, the Steeler, of the uh, Penguins. Mm. It's on tape, but he just wrestled Gillies down and bounded him. Mm. He wasn't, a, you know, he was a right. fighter, but not a great, great fighter. Well, last few things, Sandy. Who who do you think is the toughest team in NHL history from a, a year? Oh, you have to be fly, the Flyers. Flyers with guys, you know, not the early Flyers. You know, Don Seleski they put down as Don Seleski couldn't lick a stamp. <laughs> Dan Maloney beat the daylights out of him in L.A. He wasn't a fighter when he went to Colorado. He changed everything. Mm -hmm. Guys like later on with uh, you know with nine ten fighters on Cochran, Hoida. Ben Wilson, Holmgren, the Bruins had a tough team. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of the minor league teams were like the Rangers farm team. After Esposito left, they had the kid, I can't think of his name, due to drafting. Mm -hmm. He used to be a trainer. He drafted like 10 fighters. Mm -hmm. Louis DeBrusque, Ty Domi came to them later on in the trade. They were like unbelievable. Domi was a definitely throwback. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. He, he 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 wasn't afraid to fight. He, he was, you know, he was good for the game too. And that's another thing I was going to say is the enforcers were like they had charisma. The you showman, know, the showman. Yeah, I remember Sean Cronin in Winnipeg Jets oh, the late big, yeah. '80s. People loved him because he could couldn't play, but he was Cronin the Barbarian. He would get in a fight, and if he got like if he got a good game and he was a star, like a third star, Sean Cronin, he'd be like swinging his stick. <sighs> People never booed guys. them guys. Like yeah. Don Cherry said, he's never seen anybody leave for a hot dog or a beard or at the stand. They hear a fight's going on, they come running out. Mm -hmm. That's what people want. You don't. I've never seen a, a fighter booed. Mm -hmm. I never called anybody any. I did say something to Jerry Korab oh, in the seventies when he was with Vancouver. He fought Teddy January seventeenth, nineteen seventy-one, right here on your list. And he he was a big boy. And uh, Buffalo had a tough five defensemen: Playfair, Schoenfeld, Korab, Paul McIntosh, a little dude. Lee Fogelin was tough. Mm, Fogelin, yeah. yeah. I got some underrated. Underrated fighters that people might not think yeah, of. It's like uh, Brent Ashton. Oh wow, former Jet. Yep, Brent He's... Ashton and gave Nystrom a, a really good go. Wow. Uh, Brian McClellan beat Larry Playfer in L.A. Mm -hmm. And uh, about maybe he was six one six three two ten knocked out uh, Steve Fletcher in the minor leagues. Uh, Tim Kerr, the goal scorer, can fight. Yeah. Right? yeah. A big tough kid, Jimmy Nil. Yeah, great fight with Jonathan Small. Uh, Mike Keen, 5'11, 185. Tremendous little fighter. Mike Felino, I didn't seen him beat Terry O'Reilly. Oh. <laughs> I mean, now was kids playing, right? Right, right, and he right, fights. Right. So I, you know, knockouts, kosher on Jim Playfair, Todd Ewing on Prober, one of the worst I've ever seen, Ryan Vanderbush. In the garden on Nick Kiprios. Oh, wow. Scary. I mm. mean, he was laying there with blood pouring out. After the game, Colin Campbell gave me a copy of it uh, to take home. Mm. Pat Hickey. You ever heard of Pat Hickey? Yeah. Glenn Patrick, the brother of of uh, Craig Patrick. Mm. Pat Craig Patrick was like a saint. Glenn Patrick had a minor league reputation. Fatio goes after Bob Stewart for running one of Joe Bear, and Stewart wouldn't fight a big defenseman for Cleveland. Next thing you know, you know, I'm right in front of it. Hickey squares off with Glenn Patrick. Says, Holy shit, Patrick's going to kill. He dropped Patrick to his knees. They had to carry him off the ice. Hmm. He got up. His legs were shaking. He fell back down. That was a great knockdown. Dwight Schofield over Craig Cox. Mm -hmm. Knockout. Colton Orr, one of the scariest ones. Knocking out Todd Fedorik, 
mm. of the, this is in the 2000s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fedora had a metal plates in his mouth, in his face from, from the big guy, a good, a bull guard. Mm -hmm. And he actually dropped the gloves, first punch knockout. Mm. Scary as hell. Kurt Bennett knocking out Dave Maloney with one punch. Mm. Remember, Fatia had said the Rangers need somebody to come after Bennett. Nobody did. Maloney was a notorious stick guy. And uh, Bennett just had enough and KO'd him, mm. laying on the ice for about 10 minutes. Well, I mean, this is just amazing stuff, Sandy. And last question for I mean, you mentioned how the game has changed and there's no more fighting. What do you what do you miss most about those days? Since you said you can't watch hockey anymore because of the fights, I mean, obviously it was a very exciting time for you. I have so much, so many tapes that I have to go over. That I mean, VCRs are obsolete, but I still have about twelve of them. <laughs> and uh, you know, unfortunately, Directv hooked me up with that new crap, and. Anthony had to put the stuff together. I don't know how to put up stuff together with the new stuff. I haven't got to them, but I I log every game. You know, I got minor league stuff, old stuff, 70s on up, and I put down every fight with the numbers, and then I'm going to put them onto, a, mm -hmm. onto my tapes because, I mean, to add on. Eventually, I'm 68 years old, so I don't know what. I'm going to be 69 in March. I don't know what's going to happen with it, but I'm going to tell Anthony to give it to the NHL Hall of Fame. I've been there in Toronto, and plus in Hackensack in New Jersey, they have a whole load of mm -hmm. tapes. I'm looking to work myself into that. I know people to get me in, but that's why I don't like bad-mouthing. Uh, NHL, when I wrote for the Aggressive Hockey Report, I put down a lot of mm -hmm. a lot of stuff to where when they hear that, it's like, oh, this guy's doing this and this guy's doing that, uh, and they kind of look down on you. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I try to stay on their right side so I can get those get those fights. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I'm I'm busy. I'm I'm a avid reader. In fact, I just I'm going to start your book. Oh, right that on. Anthony gave me. Oh, great. And uh, <laughs> yeah, mirror. I like I said, re wrestling. I never rooted for a baby face mm -hmm. except for Bruno. And I don't even know if I can call him a baby. <laughs> Anthony said anybody they get cheered for is a baby face. Right. I my favorites were Bruiser Brody. The one man gang, mm -hmm. Ox Baker. You know, I came. I didn't come here to sign autographs. I came here to hurt people. You know, uh, <laughs> Mark the Maniac Lewis. Well, I mean, but here you are. Here, we are, here we are in Bridgeport at this arena, and, and Anthony's here. You must be very. Both you guys must be very proud oh, of your yeah. son. He made it to the big time, mm -hmm. and very, very, very quickly, as far as I, I know. Yeah. So it, this must be a big day for you guys. Oh, to he was be the here. only other baby face I rooted for when he was good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, other than that, I'm. I'm I'm into you guys, or when you were. At, well, you see, you're you're a guy that's cheered, but you're you yeah. you entertained, right? You know, I mean, I, I love like what Tony does. I love people jumping people mm -hmm. on, in the interviews, and it used to happen all the time. Killer Kowalski, you know, the bad thing about Killer Kowalski, he said, you know, when I get through with Victor Rivera in the ring, it's going to be nothing but a spot of grease left on the mat. He said that today. They'd be, oh, he'd be yeah. done. He'd be done. Yeah. Hey, Sandy, it's been great talking to you, and I'm going to uh, hook you up with Teddy so you guys can talk about some of these glory days. Oh, good. Thanks, sir. I'm going to talk about it. Talk to him.